You're listening to the pre-snap podcast presented by LineStar. Insight and analysis from the minds of fantasy football experts. Fantasy football advice and strategy from two of the top minds in the game. It's time to lock it in and win. Here are your hosts, Michael Rathburn and Joe Pizzapia. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P, Joe Pizzapia, and welcome to the Line Star pre-snap, which is, I mean, let's be honest, the greatest DFS podcast in the history of all podcasts. It's me, it's Michael Rathburn, and we are here at week three, rocking and rolling, going through stuff. We're the podcast that uh, isn't trying to give you your pretend magic beans that you're going to throw away in a couple of days. We're trying to give you real knowledge, real understanding of how to approach things. Michael Rathburn's going to break down everything for you. And we're talking about games, game theory, all sorts of more high level stuff. It's not just players and picks and salaries. It's a lot deeper. It's a lot more. And I got to tell you, Rath, you know, I just said it before we started the show just now, our discussions, you know, almost at the, the bigger level kind of discussions about, approach on a weekly basis and and dialing into some of these games and the way we're looking at them. I have found it so much easier to go in and make lineups personally myself. And I've had very good success first two weeks working with you here privately taking that knowledge and go and putting it in contests. And it, I find it takes so much less time for me and it's so much more productive and useful. So well done to you, Michael Rathburn. If you want to pat yourself on the back, go for it. Now's the time. <laughs> uh like Arnie Anderson used to say, he used to um oh, he used yeah. to about I don't want to blow my own horn, but toot toot. Uh and I used to love when he would say that. I but um Arnie. no, I appreciate it. Um listen, uh I you know, my goal in everything I do in the fantasy industry has always been to do what someone else isn't doing and not copy what everyone else is doing because you know, let's face it, that's how you carve a niche. That was like advice that was given to me early on in the game. And as we've done this over the first two weeks, leading into week three, as I write up the notes for the show, you know, I really was leaning a lot more towards talking about some macro view point of view, you know, some macro view stuff this week, because I think there's a lot of meat on the bone and not worry so much about the picks. We're certainly going to talk about players. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to avoid that. But I think that the approach of when we talk about players uh, and you guys are going to hear it this week. Uh, some of the guys, some of the players, there's a lot of analytical data and historical data that I'm going to rely on that we can get into pretty deep. Uh, and some of them are just more talking about, you know, opportunity cost is something that I'm going to mention quite frequently. And I think you guys have to have the mentality of recognizing opportunity cost when it comes to DFS, because that's really how you gain an edge in, in NFL DFS and, and to DFS in general, because you have to find ways in which the um the market pricing is inefficient and with so much data out there in the in the industry with projections with rankings with optimizers you know you have to you have to deliver something that is not included in those things so that's my goal with the show we're going to get into it a lot more this week and hopefully it goes well all right now before we go on to week three let's talk about what we learned from week two And I know for me, the biggest thing that I've learned is I've gone back and I've looked at rushing yards and how the running back is really evolving even more than last year into this position where it's about these running backs who catch the ball to the backfield, which changes the game significantly, I think, on the full point PPR. But generally speaking, you're seeing less and less of that turnaround handing the ball off to the running back. And maybe 
and maybe it's because people just want to spread them out. Maybe it's because the style of game is just changing in the NFL. But from week two, what did you learn and what have you, how are we going to apply that this week? So <clears throat> when I was making lineups in week two, the funny thing about it is I found myself having DraftKings, you know, and we'll talk about, I'm going to talk about DraftKings only because it's one point PPR. That's really where this whole discussion is leading. I'm finding myself with lineups of Chris Thompson, James White, Austin Eckler. Okay. And on the surface last week, you know, that sounds a little bit crazy. And you think, wow, you know, no bell cow running back. You're not paying up at running back. You know, what's the deal? Why not? But I'm looking at value and I'm looking at points per dollar and I'm looking at who's hitting and who's not. And so just to backtrack a little bit, when we look at weeks one and weeks two in 2018 versus 2017, and we look at just raw total points at position, quarterback and wide receiver are almost up identically 30% from a year ago. Wow. That's huge. Okay. Wow. Running back is up about 10%. Tight end is pretty much flat. Defense is down four. So what that tells me is that the passing game is is coming back. And there's a number of different reasons. The rule changes on defense. Quarterback situation is a lot better today than it was a year ago in terms of health. Offensive lines last year at this time, there was a lot of offensive lines that were in shambles. That's not so much the case this year. It's a good point. That's a very so good point. Too. That, and I wrote an article about, so a year ago, I wrote an article almost to the opposite where quarterback and running back scoring was down the first two weeks and running back and defense was up. Okay, so that's point number one. Point number two is the explosion of the pass catching running back and the impact on full point PPR. Christian, look at what happened just with the Giants and the Cowboys last week. Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. Okay, we're talking about running backs that are getting 10, 12 receptions a week. Also, the Chris Thompsons, the Austin Ecklers, the James Whites, those guys are becoming viable plays on a weekly basis. And even some guys like a Jalen Richard or a Buck Allen, when you start digging deeper, are becoming viable in, in this landscape. So <clears throat> the point is, is that at this point, we've been looking at you know, Alvin Kamara and Todd Gurley. And last week, a lot of people were doing everything they could to force both players in cash lineups or GPP lineups along with James Conner. And the problem with that is uh, Alvin Kamara didn't pay off. Right. So what I think you want to look at is... See, I had the pivot. I, I, I tried not to give both of them. What I did was I used Melvin Gordon... There you go. Early. And then, yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's so what worked fast. for me so well. And, and that was the yeah. whole point. You know, my thought process is I looked yeah. at my lineups last week and go, all right, I'm going to need both of these guys. Yeah, you know, I'm spending a lot of money on both of these. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned about this productivity, and I want to ask this question, because quarterback and wide receiver has ticked up 30%, in your mind, does that make them, should you be paying less for these guys because there's more of them? Or should you be paying more for those guys in the sense of you've got to really be above board just to keep pace. Yeah. So <clears throat> is that um, the 
argument I have all the time in the black book with people about stuff. It's like, well, we've got a ton of, you know, no matter what sport it is I'm writing about, I, they say, well, you know, but it's such a great position or offense is up right now. I'm like, offense is up, and that means, you know, what you should be doing, you should be making sure that you've got it because if you don't, you could fall so woefully behind. And I'm curious, do you see it the same way in DFS here in NFL? Uh, so what I'm seeing currently as um, I haven't dug into the wide receiver part as much as I did the running back this week. And we can probably, you know, look at that next week, but the running backs just stuck out so great is to me, it feels like the mid tier wide receiver landscape is a hell of a lot more relevant right now than it's ever been. And so that to me, like it, oftentimes the very cheap wide receivers really don't pay off. Right. Uh, and people go chasing the, the, the Keelan Coles in week one, the Dante Pettis in week two. And well, oftentimes, you know, we told you to stay away from Pettis. We said it. Yeah. So oftentimes <laughs> the, the, the super chalk cheap wide receiver is uh, something that you just don't want to play in that pool. It's yeah. very hard to get off of, but you know, we're already seeing it in, in so far through two weeks. It's, it's, it's not where you want to go. And yeah, uh, and you know, in season long, I was telling everybody, I was like, look, for the even more to the point of why you go running back heavy early is because the depth this year in the mid-tier wide receivers is so much better than I've seen it in recent memory right, that right. you can make it up. And you can take that logic. And this is why, you know, some people get intimidated by DFS sometimes, and you shouldn't, because the same logic applies here, which is you can find these guys. And, you know, we talked about a noonwell last week, and even though we didn't have a touchdown, he was good. You know, I, I wanna I wanna keep pushing with a couple of the other points too you know, we'll stay on running back. And then I want to come back to the defense discussion too, but you also have the stud running back so far underperforming David Johnson, bad quarterback situation. There Ezekiel Elliott line issues, but also no passing game. Therefore it makes it a little bit harder for them to really, you know, figure that all out. We'll see what happens when they travel to Seattle for nets dealing with an injury. Kareem Hunt so far has been, you know, taking a back seat to, right. to four, Patrick four, Mahomes, four running know? backs that were going in the top, in the first round and season long. Right. All four. And all four are somewhere around 8K-ish. Right. Well, now the, and now the prices are starting to drop. So right. until we see a change in performance, uh, it's going to be tough to do. Now, the studs, there's a lot of studs that aren't hitting it, but also the injuries are mounting. And you've got Lev Bell that's holding out, Fournette with an injury, Cook with an injury, Ajay with an injury. Mixon's out for Mixon, a couple Mixon, McCoy, yeah. Freeman, Geis, Michelle. I mean, these are all players that were drafted in the first four rounds uh, say two months ago before guys got hurt. Okay. The landscape of the running back position is changing greatly in that a lot of backups are now in starting positions. Not everybody is going to be James Connor. There's only so many James Connors to go around. Okay. And we may have one this week in Latavius Murray, but look at these backup running backs. And oftentimes the, you know, while they may be cheaper in price, they're also not producing at the rate that the starters were. So that's the thing is that, you know, when we look at the running backs in, in week two, I mean, I'm sorry, the running backs so far that have hit for three times value on DraftKings this year, okay, in both weeks is six. Wow. Chris Thompson, James White, Buck Allen, Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon, Saquon Barkley. Wow. Okay. I know it's small, simple size, but it's not. And it's also matchup related to. Right. Right. Related to, Point, you know, right. when you have, when you have, uh, you know, I mean, like this week, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but you know, when you have Kamara going up to the Falcons who typically just are atrocious against yep. running backs who catch the ball in the backfield for the last two years, 
you know, that that's going to change how, how the first couple of weeks stretch out in terms of right. data has a lot to do with matchup. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's not till, I mean, when do you feel you get into a season where the data is really good? Is it four weeks? Is it? Yeah. Five? I think once we get through four weeks. Yeah. See, that's what I always feel like first month of the seasons when you can really sit back. Cause like the giants look good as a pass defense right now, but I have a lot of inclination to say they're going to get their doors blown off this weekend against Houston uh, just because you know they haven't really been tested all that much yep. either all so, about who you played yeah exactly so one more thing before we get out of this first segment here i know you wanted to make a um a defensive note as well so let's let's bang that out and then we'll move on you know when we go back and look at this list uh let's say a year ago a lot of the same names are on the list week one week two a year ago like white thompson gordon it, uh Gurley. you know it's you know, DFS is a completely different ball game because we're playing for one week and it's all based on matchup and salary and it's all based on value. And so there is going to be a lot of variance from week to week on the players just based on opportunity. But um, finding the consistent opportunities is where you're going to get an edge and just realizing that it's a lot harder and you've got to really dig deeper to get that. All right, let's start the dig, baby. We're going to hit a break. When we come back, Rath and I are going to start breaking down week three. You're listening to the pre-snap. We'll be right back right after this. The pre-snap podcast is brought to you by LineStar. Transparent projections, simplified research, advanced signals, and top-rated apps. Dominate DFS. Download for free at LineStarApp.com. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the pre-snap. Joey P., and Raph, let's take you through. All right, let's talk about some of the guys who are changing in price a little bit week over week. Uh, let's take it away. And you want to start with um, any guys in particular that you really need to to grab a hold of, or is it just a general topic where you feel you know to notice these jumps in salary? Yeah. So you really take note of the guys that jump. And what's happening on DraftKings is they've really been bumping up the backup running backs ahead of time. Yes. So Gio Bernard's already been bumped up two grand. Latavius has been bumped up twelve hundred. Coleman's up eleven hundred from last week. Even a guy like Malcolm Brown has been juiced up a thousand dollars. So just be aware that DraftKings is already incorporating that kind of thing into the pricing. Uh, the Chiefs stack Mahomes and Tyreek up nine hundred bucks, and also Brandon Cooks. Uh, as far as on the downside, David Johnson's been dropped a thousand. Kelvin Benjamin, and I still wouldn't use him. Uh, not, this, not well, not this week. Not no, I know. The, I know. Not, and it has nothing to do with the player. It has to do with the coaching. And I believe you're. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, and I, then you know, look, Philip Rivers actually, and this is matchup. This is matchup related. But when you start talking about tournaments, they dropped Philip Rivers nine hundred bucks, and they dropped Drew Brees eight hundred bucks. So I think the Brees drop in price is actually a better angle that you can go with. The Rivers drop in price. Uh, I'm not sure how confident I feel against him against that Rams defense, but um, I don't understand the breeze drop. In, in, I don't either. Um, because I understand I the, the tendency is to drop. Well, the tendency is to drop him on the road, right, Raph? I think They may have drop him on the road, and that but, may. But it's still a dome, and yep. it's still a game in terms of. Yeah, I mean, the games have been historically the Atlanta Saint games lately. The Falcon Saint games have been going under the total. However, that also was the issue with the Panthers in the in the Falcons. So um, that doesn't necessarily mean that this game is going to be. I, I think this game will approach the posted total. I don't think it's going to be twenty three twenty. I do think that both teams because we've got some injuries on the Falcons defense and. 
you know, the, the again, in a dome on turf where the Saints are going to thrive. So uh, I do think that that game will have some points. And so I, I think Breeze is still in play there. On FanDuel, it's not as um, – it's it's look, we've got Philip Lindsay up 1,500, Tevin Coleman up 1,400, Mahomes up 1,400, uh, Geo's up 1,200. But they juiced up uh, Cousins and Diggs, about 1,000 apiece. Uh, and then a bunch of other guys up at like 900, like Keelan Cole, Will Fuller, Tyler Lockett. So just be aware of the guys that have gone up in price. And what's interesting is not many guys have gone down in price on FanDuel outside of Rashard Matthews and Deion Lewis. Um, Deion Lewis going down 800 bucks is interesting and maybe makes him more of a valuable, you know, a viable play over there. You know, when you're looking at a guy like Cole coming off a big game here, I'm always curious because you got Fuller and Cole, like those are two guys coming off a big game. And, and this is, you know, we can get specific on the player, but really just, you know, maybe bigger picture here too. Sometimes there's something to, you know, a player being on a roll. I mean, we've seen Fuller so far with Watson just been, I mean, it's just a touchdown machine. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's an amazing thing to watch. It's the perfect scenario for him because Hopkins is around. You know, do you put any stock into the guys who are on a roll or in a groove with a player with a quarterback? You know, when you have a Cole coming off a big game, do you roll that over even with a price jump or with a guy like Fuller where the track record's starting to mount up and he's giving you wide receiver one numbers, but he's still below cost? Yeah, again, it comes based on matchup and opportunity. If um, so you, don't, you, you always go back no matter what it is. It's matchup and opportunity that makes that decision more than the individual unit and their progression. Right. Let's, say, let's say the player was $4,000 and he scored 20 points, so we got a 5X. Right. He's, now next week he's $5,000, and so you're going to project him for 20. So now he's, now he's 4X. Nothing's changed with the player's output, but the price has changed. As the price goes up, you have to look at what the output's been or what the output is projected to be. If the matchup's bad and the output's going to go down and the price went up, then it's somebody that you want to get away from. But if the output is still going to be the same or go up and you're still at that multiplier where it makes sense, then you can continue to roll with that player. But, um, you know, like I mentioned it about Tevin Coleman last week. And, you know, basically what I was saying is Tevin Coleman was great for cash. But as far as tournaments go, he was already priced up so much that and he wasn't a big part of the passing game and just everything in general and he was going to be 35 you know 30 percent 40 percent owned whatever it was it just didn't make any sense um and and that's the logic behind that so um it's very important that you be aware of the pricing and who's gone up and who's gone down and what that's going to mean because it could ultimately mean that the player is just overpriced all right. Is there anybody else there on the FanDuel pricing side you wanted to point out before we move on in terms of changes that we need to pay attention to? No, no. They, you All know, right. just be aware that they haven't dropped anybody. So it's just, you know, tighter salaries. All right. Now, when we talk about quarterback, obviously, uh, DK, you know, a lot of cheap options if you don't want to go Mahomes. And I guess this is the inverse of the discussion we're just having, which is when you have a guy that's been on such an incredible role here. And, you know, it's like, man, you know, the, if you didn't have Mahomes the last two weeks, especially last week, it's one of those things are, geez, you're like behind a quarterback. But at a certain point in time, too, you have to realize that that pace is unsustainable. So is that all the more reason, even though it's at home against the 49ers, that Mahomes is a guy that more you would you would fade away based on that? It's impossible to sustain, not even the player so much, but the pace of the player more than anything. Yeah, because now he's the number one priced quarterback on the board. However, he's still outperforming his salary. So it's really hard to, you know, it's really going to be based on the projected ownership and how high is, do you think it's really going to be? I mean, look, it's very hard to 
go against playing Pat Mahomes in cash at this point, unless you, and there's several different ways that you can play cash games. Uh, without a doubt, if you want to pay up for Mahomes and you want to figure out, a, 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 you know, that way of lineup construction, that's fine. But there's plenty of options on DraftKings where you can drop down at the quarterback position and really be in good shape. And I think some of those are, like, for me, the number one is Cam Newton. He's only $6,000 on DraftKings. He's $8,300 on FanDuel. Now, typically, you know, the FanDuel salary cap is 60 and the DraftKings salary is uh, cap is 50. So you're always going to have a price discrepancy. However, the way that DraftKings pricing is, is uh, they typically are significantly cheaper on the quarterbacks by about $1,500 on average. So what I'll look at is I'll look at the quarterbacks that have the biggest spread of differential and cam is a $2,300 differential. Uh, you gotta love him on DraftKings this week. He's at home. He's favored. Uh, you know, I think the total is incorrect and I think that there's opportunity for him to be low owned. Well, that's um, a great point too. It's just because the total says something, you have to also right. use some of your football acumen and realize, you know what, for the reasons X, Y, and Z, that number might not be the number. And I think that's that's something that I think it's overlooked sometimes. You know, a lot of times, yeah, the Vegas number is the biggest number for a reason. But, you know, sometimes you got to go deeper and realize where there's potential for that number to either go over or under, depending on what else is going on, especially with injuries, too. Yep. I mean, you know what, like, and let's talk about some of those right now, because uh, Dalvin Cook is looking less and less likely as we sit here. Now, even if he does play, I mean, a guy like Latavius Murray certainly gets bumped out. Ajayi, the same thing. Corey Clement, uh, that ownership might go very big. We know Bernard's going to be a part of it. Now, those are three guys here with opportunities and prices that are going to help you build lineups. If you're going through this, is there one of these for a certain reason or not that jumps out on you that you would want to go for or stay away from? So at the running back position is really where we're talking about. And if JHI is out, I think Corey Clement, is you know lock and load uh they're favored they're at home Wentz is back and his price is incredible uh if dalvin cook is out latavius again another lock and load and that gonna that's gonna mean your lineup construction is gonna gonna change completely uh where you're gonna be saving at running back and be able to pay up for mahomes or pay up at the wide receiver position uh the one guy that i may not be on as much as everybody else is Gio bernard and I think that um, the matchup is a little bit tougher. Uh, and so that, you know, I don't know if the ceiling is necessarily there on Bernard. So, you know, and he's priced up. The $2,000 bump really is enough for me to maybe pause and say, maybe I'm going to look at some other options and not autoplay him like what may be going on elsewhere. Yeah, I would agree with that too. The matchup is a little tough and I think the ownership will indeed be high as well because look, he averaged i think 17 touches last year per game somewhere around there when mixon was out last year and that's a number that you say hey okay i'm excited about that i want a piece of that at the current price is going at but ugh, the matchup necessarily isn't the greatest either you know going to wide receiver too looking ahead at week three you know the the target volume for michael thomas off the charts it's in a lot of ways the same discussion we're having at quarterback mahomes has been off the charts we talk about sustainable pace you know, in order to get Michael Thomas, who's now, you know, the highest wide receiver in, in theory right now, you got to make concessions other places by going with other guys. So how do you do that? Who are the guys you're looking at that will help you fit a Michael Thomas into a lineup? 
Uh, you know, look, there's um, <clears throat> there's a lot of guys, but there's a couple of guys that I'm focused on. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, I think, is is certainly in play. Um, no Alshon Jeffrey. Wentz is back. Uh, no Mike Wallace. No JHI. So I can certainly see Aguilar continue to be a target monster. Uh, Tyler Lockett at home. Uh, he hasn't had monster games, but he has hit the 3x value in both weeks. I think that Seattle is in a very good position this week. They've had they've had an early start that's been pretty tough. They had to go at Chicago and they had to go at Denver. Uh, now they come back home and they get Dallas, and I think Seattle's in a really good spot. So I think Lockett, Aguilar, and um, also like John Brown. And John Brown is still cheap. And even though you typically never wanted to go against Denver, uh, they've actually been vulnerable. You know, Akeem Talib's not there anymore. You can pass on this defense. And John Brown is just another guy. When you start looking at value and you're looking at guys you need 4X, 5X from, he can provide it. Yeah, Brown's a great one. And, you know, never been a question of talent with Brown. It's always been a matter of health and usage and always being behind Fitzgerald there in terms of main targeting. Lockett's the one guy I'm glad you pointed out because for me, that's another one too where I go, well, that's a, you know, that's a dude I haven't always believed in, but so far you've seen consistency out of him. And, you know, because he's getting that opportunity to be basically the one now. And look, he's throwing it down. He's doing a good job here. Um, you and I defensive, actually, no, before we go to defense, let's talk about a tight end, whether or not it's a Gronk or no Gronk kind of a day, or is there enough value to be found there on the rest of the board? I so mean, really, because Gronk's on the night slate anyway, unless yeah, you're playing Matt Brown's so, and stuff anyway. Remember, we're still doing with Olsen and Walker uh, being out. Right. So <clears throat> um, it's uh, Ertz and Kelsey at the top. And uh, I'm in love with Ertz this week. And I'll probably have Ertz on as many lineups as humanly possible. Uh, if I don't, it's probably going to be Austin Hooper. Um, the, the Ertz play to me is... Um, He's going to be low owned. You know, right now he's projected to be about eighth owned and Kelsey's projected to be the chalk. So I've got no problem uh, fading and going to Ertz because he's leading all tight ends and targets. He's Wentz's boy. No Mike Wallace, no Alshon Jeffrey, no JHI and Indianapolis against tight ends in the past last three years. You can, you can hammer him. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ertz could go a hundred eight catches, two touchdowns, and, and have a monster game. I still think there's going to be a little bit of Wentz rust there, but I think oh, yeah. one thing you can count on, and that's why Aguilar scares me a little bit, but talking about you know that relationship, if indeed he's still kind of feeling his way out, to me that plays more for Ertz than anyone. And you know it's funny, we mentioned Gronk on the night uh, game, and then of course the Monday game with a huge total too. Those are two huge potential offensive games that are off the board this week, really, in, in the main slates, when you're playing just one and four where, you know, it, it does change the dynamic of, of how you're going to roster and play lineups. When you see two games like that with high totals, does that encourage you more to play through Sunday, Sunday night, Monday, or does it, in, it encourage you to stay away from them because of the volatility of it? I, I just don't play those to begin with. So it doesn't matter if the total is 38 or 58. It's just not, you know, not I, into it. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Sunday main guy. I'm a Sunday man guy too, but I was curious if it changed your, your logic. Cause I'm sure that some people will go and go. I'm sure it does for some, yeah. people. but do you think that's a dangerous thing or is it just not, a not, preference? Not, I think the guys that are, well, a couple things. One is the guys that know how to play that stuff own it and make more money in that stuff than probably other, other slates. Right. Because it's so game theory based. It's, it's not about picking the best lineup. It's about picking the best lineup that people don't have. Um, 
but then the average Joe that um no pun no no pun intended. No, it's all right. I'm not gonna take it personally because uh, I am not the average <laughs> Joe. I think the average. average Joe looks at it and says, Oh my god, the Patriots in prime time, the Steelers in prime time. Oh, I want a piece of that. And so that's and then they get hammered by the people who understand yep. game theory better. And yep. I would agree the with worst, that. The I, worst thing a new player can do is play these. There you go. Uh, two, listening two, out there if you're new. Two slate, the, two, the two game slate stuff. It, and you go into a tournament where there's like 80,000 entries. It's like you've got point zero zero zero. All right. Defensively, I know. You know, for me this week, the one that jumped out to me in terms of return on investments, the Bears potentially too, uh, with Arizona playing as dreadfully as they have, especially at the quarterback position with Bradford. But you've got a Vikings or bust attitude, and I want to know why. Well, there's some crazy numbers regarding the Vikings. So listen, <clears throat> the the Bills implied total is 12. And I only have data going back three years. So I, I'm sure there's been other teams that have been less. But there's been nobody less than that in the last three years. So that's key. The Vikings at home the last three years have been absolutely dominating more than any other defense at home in the league. Uh, In the last three years, there's been nine times where there was an implied team total of 14 or less. Seattle four, New England two, Denver, Minnesota, and Baltimore with one apiece. Uh, All of them were at home, and five out of the nine put up at least 10 points. The Vikings averaged 14 points a game at home when the implied total of their opponent is 19 or less over the last three years, and that's over the last – it's it's an eight-game sample. Uh, To me, you, you just pay up for the Vikings and you bank the floor and you bank the 10 minimum with the 15, 20 upside. Normally you don't want to pay up for defense, especially on DraftKings, But in this case, in cash games, I think you find a way, especially if Dalvin cook is out and you pair that with Latavius. Yeah. Well, also when you're adding into the mix to a rookie quarterback and a second start, on the road in Minnesota, it's just it's going to be a back with banged up ribs. Yeah, uh, yeah. Look, a shutout, a shutout's in play. A shutout is definitely in play. You know, I, I would agree with that. All right, let's talk about some of the Vegas stuff here. The lines that have moved: uh, Seattle went from plus one to minus two over Dallas. Packers Redskins total went from forty-seven and a half down to forty-five and a half. Uh, Chiefs opened at minus four; that's gone to minus six. Bears Cardinals total opened at forty and is now thirty-eight. Uh, between any of these. What uh, matters most to you? So uh, I think Seattle is sneaky in that uh, they're they're coming back home. I think Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, uh, and and I don't know who else, but uh, I think Wilson Lockett is is an interesting uh, stack in a a tournament. And, you know, Wilson's always got upside of 30 points. And I, I don't love the pace and how Dallas plays. And I basically have been saying it since July bet the under in every single Dallas game. Uh, However, um, we still might be able to see a situation here where maybe Seattle is able to get the 30 and Dallas puts up 10 or 13 and, you know, we still get the under or close to the under, but uh, I do like the spot for Seattle. And I think Wilson Lockett is very interesting. Yeah. For Uh, me, Seattle is that one too, because that same reasoning, when you look at Mahomes and how much he costs, I look at Russell Wilson, have a chance to run all over and throw touchdowns at home. He's opened two games in a row on the road. 
And to me, this just, it's a good situation. If you're going to pair a quarterback and a wide receiver that allows you flexibility to do other things in your lineup, that if you're going to pay up for Kamara or going to pay up for some of those other guys, it's, it's a very good floor of points from a, a duo where, you know, you've locked it in. And, and it's funny to me, you know, that Lockett actually didn't jump more in salary after two very consistent weeks, but we'll see after this week, if it does make that jump. Yeah. I think he's gone up moderately because he's moderately had, he's had moderate games. He didn't have an explosion game. You so. know, it's funny though, but moderate is like moderate consistency impresses me so much. Like remember the years of like three years now ago where Decker was like 14 points every week. Yeah. Like that was well, one of those Michael guys, Thomas, Michael Thomas, when he was a rookie. Was, right. That's another one where, you know, give me the guys are just every week yeah. going to get double digits. And that's yeah. such Mike a Thomas was $6,000 every week and hit value every single week. Yeah. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. Uh, the biggest totals, as we mentioned with the lions, Pats, Bucks, Steelers, that's going to get as much focus because uh, of where they are in the slate in terms of Sunday night, Monday night, but Kansas city, San Francisco, New Orleans, Atlanta, two huge games. Are you going in hard on both of these or are you like one more than the other ref? I don't know if I'm going in hard and I know it's hard to sit there and say fade Kansas city. I don't necessarily say I'm fading Kansas city, but I think I might be fading San Francisco. Uh, they don't have the offensive weapons that these other teams have had to put up the points on KC. And I'm not, I'm not sure that that's where there's value. And I think those players could be overowned. New Orleans, Atlanta, Again, high total. Do you total. think that even though Kansas City's defense has been a sieve basically for, for in the secondary, I'm I'm not like I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just curious because I don't. I think when you you have to you have to pick a lane, and okay. I'm picking the lane that I'm probably not going to be on many as San Francisco 49. Well, I do agree with you in terms of dynamic offense. They still leave a lot to be designed. You know, there's no there's no DeAndre Hopkins over there. You know what I mean? Like there's no <laughs> there's no big time offensive player that you get excited about, which I no. get. You no. know, but does it even fade you off guys like Kittle being useful in a tight end position? I don't have any 49ers written up at all this week. All right. All right. Continue on then. I wanted to, I wanted to press you on that because uh, I'm sure a lot of people are going to look at Casey's secondary and go, well, there's opportunity. But you make a great point, Raph, which is opportunity is one thing. Having the players to cash in on that opportunity is another. Yeah, I don't I don't know where the ball's going. So um, it looks like it's going to certain players and then it didn't. So um, the the whole point of this is that the second and the fourth highest total games are not in the slate. So there's going to be over cons like over concentration on Kansas city, San Francisco and new Orleans, Atlanta. The point is, is that when you start talking about tournaments, those players in those games are going to be more heavily owned this week than in prior weeks, because there's just not that there's not the inventory at the top of the board. Look at the next set of games. Now I, I had put green Bay, Washington in there. But I almost want to take it off because the totals already dropped by two, and it's Aaron Rodgers on the road. Right. You've only got two other games in play. You've got Indianapolis, Philadelphia, forty-seven and a half, and you've got the Chargers and the Rams at forty-eight. As far as games where I think you can focus on getting some getting some pieces of, where the ownership could be lower, but the games could go over the total and provide an edge. So I I do think that. Uh, the Chargers Rams can go over 48, even though the Rams defense has played well. I think the Chargers are going to be able to at least get 17 to 20 points in that game. And the Rams should be able to put up a 30 or higher um, with that offense and the way they're cranking uh, Indianapolis, Philadelphia. 
I don't know about that Colts offense on the road. It didn't look great last week, but I do like the Philadelphia, you know, again, Wentz could be a little bit rusty, but, um, you know, I like that. I like that game in the sense that could that game be 31-19 or 31-20? to I certainly think, and that is a little bit over the total, and it does provide an edge and that, um, you know, you're going to have some players that are on their own. Uh, the, the, uh, and wrapping up Vegas totals, this is what you got to realize. Eight out of the 13 games in the Sunday main slate currently have a total of 44 or less. So what that means is there's potentially a lot of lower scoring games. Now, the Vikings are thrown in there, and you may want to just, you know, put them to the side because obviously the, the line is 17. Their total is high. The Bills is 12. Uh, you know, so the Vikings are certainly projected to put up, you know, 30 plus. Uh, so you can, but I'm, I'm telling you, there's a lot of games this week that have low totals with low spreads. And so again, there's going to be heavy concentration on these higher total games. What you need to do is look at these games that are part of the eight and you need to look at them hard and say, which of these games do I think has potential to getting to 48, 50 points going over the total and providing me with an edge over the field? Because ownership is ownership is driven by two things. I'd say ownership is driven by it's driven by Vegas and it's driven by matchups. And what percentage of that it, I don't know. Um, it, you know, it's, it, and it's also driven by price. So, so if a guy is super cheap and he's starting at running back, yes, his ownership will be high. If a stud wide receiver is going against a bad defense with a high total, his ownership will be high. Uh, so that's just, you know, what drives ownership. What drives it down is people just overlooking players in games that are not at the top of the board. Like I said earlier, Cam Newton, the total is uh, what? 44 and a half mm-hmm. at home. Like, there's a reason why Cam Newton is in play for me this week in cash games and tournaments because Cam Newton is one of two quarterbacks over the last three years or one of three that has a potential of repeatedly getting uh, 30 plus points in a game. Uh, you've got Ben, you've got Wilson, you've got potentially Kirk Cousins. I mean, there's just a handful of guys there. You can throw Aaron Rodgers in there too, but would you throw Watson in that group this week? No, no, I don't like what I'm seeing there only because the, uh, there's still offensive line issues. And I'm just not sure that that offense is going to be able to explode the way that uh, that the way that they able to in the past. That's not to say that those guys aren't going to get their points, but that offensive line is is serious issues. And Watson's been under duress more than any quarterback in, in the NFL so far. All right. Well, we're going to hit a break here. When we come back, we're going to start breaking down these quarterbacks. You're listening to the pre-snap. We'll be right back right after this. The pre-snap podcast is sponsored by TrackWiz. The ultimate horse racing betting companion is now available in the App Store and Google Play. Download now using promo code PRESNAP23 to get your first seven days completely free without a credit card and start betting like a pro. All right, welcome back, everybody. The pre-snap, Joe Pizapia, Michael Rathburn with you here. Uh, you spoke a little about Cam Newton, but let's talk about some of the other quarterbacks too. I know you were teasing about this. You said, you said, wait till you get to tomorrow, Joe, because I've got some Blake Bortles stuff for you. That's going to blow your mind. So here I am. I want to hear the Blake Bortles data. That's going to blow my mind. Lay it on me, Raph. Okay. 
Well, <clears throat> should I be sitting down? Because I am. Uh, well, it, it's pretty interesting. And look, right. it, you know, it, it's a lot of context, but I'm also going to throw in um, a little bit of a disclaimer. However, I want to get this out there. So Blake Bortles is at home against Tennessee. He's 5,600 on DraftKings. Uh, Blake Bortles has been the best value at the quarterback position over the last three years on DraftKings. Uh, when we talk about points per game, average salary, and what we consider his, his X value is multiplier. When you, when you look at his numbers at home, he's even better. Uh, he is basically providing, you know, high mid three value at home over, over the whole entire period. When you break it down even further, if you look at Blake Bortles out of his last 24 home games, in 16 of them, he's hit at least three times value. So if his salary is 6,000, he's hitting 18 points or greater. What that means is it doesn't necessarily mean that, look, again, we talked about it earlier. I'm not trying to give you the player. I'm not trying to give you the magic beans, okay? I'm not going to sit there and tell you that this is the guy that's going to hit for 40 points this week like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay, we did that with Ben Roethlisberger last week. What I'm telling you is that this player at this price in this spot has a significant history of providing value, which allows you to spend up at other positions. Uh, well, isn't this, well, can I put it in context and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but to me what this reeks of is when you have, when you're doing multi-entry, if you're playing multi-entry, that having a Bortles lineup is absolutely is, is the way to go. I'm, I, this is not necessarily the cash gameplay. This is not no. necessarily the single entry tournament. Right. For me, this is your, if you're a multi-entry kind of player, this is the, you know, having a little share of Blake Bortles would allow you to get some of those bigger guys who can have those 30 something point days. And if he's going to return value more often than not, it's something to be aware of. Here's the other thing. That's a little bit of a tip. There's no Vegas data posted on this game because of the uncertainty of Marcus Mariota at this time. When that happens, people have a tendency of fading the game. Look what happened with the Packers and the Vikings last week. The information didn't get posted till late in the week. People were off Rodgers because he was hobbling around on one leg. People were off the Vikings because for whatever reason, they weren't looking at the game and the total came out, I think, at 45. <laughs> Little did they know they would all be for the you know. defense, Packers defense is terrible. Right. So nobody was on that Vikings stack the way that we should have been. Uh, and that includes me. And I'm kicking but myself. But you know, you know what? I'm, I'm kicking myself a little bit. You know, Here's the other thing. I don't get to kick us too hard because – there was that question of, okay, can Kirk Cousins in this role now go there and lead the team on the road in Green Bay and do that? And I believe he could, but believing he can and putting money in it, I think are two different things. Seeing that gives me a different vision of everything that I thought Cousins could be in season long, which is why I own shares of him. I saw this week in DFS why he can be exactly what I think of him in DFS as well, but there's nothing wrong with proving it out there. And yeah. and the Green Bay defense is also just not that good. Can we all just... Yeah. Can we all just get on board and realize it's just not that good and it hasn't been that good? Nope. Nope. God. So one of the things that I do is when there's no, when there's no total posted, uh, I will scramble to see if there's anything out there offshore. I haven't seen anything as of yet. My last resort is a website called Massey Ratings. And that's uh, uh, the Peabody Massey. 
uh, for people that know that name out there in the uh, analytical world. Um, look, it's 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 not it's not a hundred percent, but Massey has the game uh, Jacksonville twenty four and Tennessee seventeen. So let's just say that Tennessee has an implied total of twenty four. So the last eight games that Bortles has had at home, in which the implied team total was at least twenty three points, Bortles has put up twenty five point six points per game, and had one game under twenty five. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking too about Tennessee, okay, so everything, everything right now screams Blake Bortles, and look at what happened last week. Okay, here's yeah. the one pause. Okay, and I'm not, and I'm not saying this as a way out. I'm saying it just as remember this. Last week, Leonard Fournette was not in the lineup. Okay, this offense is different without Fournette in that they do throw the ball more. Okay. Fournette's coming back, however, he's not 100%. Okay. So, my theory is I still feel like Bortles is in play. His, his ceiling is capped a little bit, meaning I don't know if he goes for 300 yards passing. However, the underrated part of Blake Bortles' game is rushing. And Blake Bortles can easily go out there and get 40 yards rushing. That's four points. He could get a rushing touchdown. That's 10 points if he gets 40 plus the touchdown. That's, that's where I think you've got some upside with Bortles. I think it's almost impossible for Bortles not to put up 22 to 24 points this week. That's not to say that it won't happen, but I think everything lines up for where he's a very safe low end play in tournaments and you can build around him and pay up at other spots. Well, and, and just one more, you know, spot on him too, just to go real quick. The Titans offensively too leave a lot to be desired, which means a lot more opportunities and for net. You nailed it. And I'm yeah. sorry to cut you. No, so, that's okay. Jacksonville's time of possession in this game could be off the charts. Well, that's, that's the point I'm making that for nets for is not a hundred percent. The chances of Fournette injuring himself again are equal and to for going off. If so, they have a lead, they are not going to put him out there. They're going to put, you I agree. I agree. And yep. he's banged up too, yep. which is something to keep in mind. And then also. you've got Corey Gray in play. So I, I think that just be a little bit cautious. I'm not saying go in on Blake Bortles. Well, well, yeah, I think it's very clear. You're saying that this is an opportunity. If you're playing multi-entry, this is not the one lineup you're making out that this is it. This is my lineup for everywhere in every contest. But if you're playing multi-entry, it would behoove you not to try a Bortles centric lineup there. And I don't think you want to pair him with anybody either. Nope. necessarily. Nope. I want it's a, it's a lone Blake Bortles game on the stack. I'm no, just, me neither. Now, uh, the opposite of that spectrum, Mahomes paying up for Mahomes. Is that a must in cash games? A, a fade in cash games? How do you feel about Mahomes right now? I, I don't think I don't think it's any of those. I think it's okay. it's one of those things where if you want to pay up for him in cash, be my guest. Um, I, I got no problem with it. You can't argue against it. I find it to be a tough week to do that. Mm, not if some salary opens up with Murray and Clement. If Murray and Clement don't open up, then yes, it could be a problem. And that's when you're looking at Cam. But if Murray and Clement open up, you still got Geo out there too. Um, I, I just think that it could be a little bit tough if those two guys don't open up. All right. And in terms of quarterback to fade, uh, Aaron Rodgers on the road coming off uh, the big Vikings game. Uh, I would agree with that one. Let's move on to running back here. Uh, Todd Gurley, obviously, you know, when we're talking about guys trying to find, 
you know, those guys who can still get it done. I mean, Gurley doesn't even have to play a whole game in order to be productive. <laughs> He's proven that already. He had some issues last week, but all looks pretty well. He's definitely the safest on the board, right? Would you agree with that? Is he safer than even Kamara, who's got the matchup that seems to be on paper just made for him? Yeah, to me, to me, he is because of the total workload. Now, Kamara's got the matchup edge in the ter- in the sense that Atlanta is brutal against opposing uh, running backs catching the ball. So Kamara's edge on the matchup is huge, but Gurley's consistent workload as part of the offense is so significant that I'm still going to favor Gurley over Kamara. Uh, in cash games, I got to try to get Gurley in there. I'm going to probably get away from Kamara in cash, and and I got no problem having a piece of him in a tournament, but uh, certainly not going to go all in. I don't think there's any edge in doing that. So, um, But I, I certainly feel a lot more confident with the body of work that Todd Gurley has posted over the last year in three-plus games. and the Rams are now the, the Super Bowl favorites and they're cranking. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, last year was a great learning experience for me, for them when they lost in that playoff game. Cause it was like, you had a great season and now this is what it takes to win in the playoffs. Oh, look okay. at what they look at what yeah. they now. Th- okay. So let's take this context. Okay. Look at what the Rams did on defense. Okay? Oh yeah. So now what that means is opponents are not going to be able to move the ball on the Rams and so, yeah, the Rams are still going to be an offense that puts up 30, 40 points a game, but they're not going to be giving up 20, 24 points a game. This Rams defense is shutting people down. Now they played the Raiders and the Cardinals, but still, this defense is loaded. Well, and the Chargers defense without the Boza in the pass yeah, rush is it, not quite the same either. Yeah, I, to me, I think it was a bigger. Let me tell you, I was I thought it would be a loss. After watching these first two weeks, I didn't realize how much of a loss it would be. But look, they bounced back last week. Obviously, it was Buffalo. But still, I think there's opportunity here still where, you know, this this defense is not quite as good as we thought it was without. I think, I think the Chargers could be in a tough spot this week. I agree with that 100%. All right, Chris Thompson's another guy we talked about. Uh, consistency, you look at target volume last week was huge. Do you think in this kind of a week against Green Bay that this is – a game that flows right into his wheelhouse. Here's the thing is it's, you can't even really look at this thing as a matchup play because Alex Smith is not throwing the ball. <laughs> well, when has he ever really been able to throw the ball this down? Guys get a negative a dot. And I don't even know what a dot means. I just, <laughs> <laughs> all I know is it's negative. It, 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 he's not throwing the ball down the field. They're yeah. running, they're running Peterson and they're dumping it to Thompson. If Thompson is healthy, look, his price has gone up. I mean, he's now 6,300. This is not the, the $4,000, $5,000 cheap Chris Thompson. So you got to take that into consideration. But this guy is, is a bankable 20 to 25 points a game because he gets the volume. He hits the three-point bonus for the 100 yards. Eight catches for 100 yards is like 21. Yeah. That's 21 right there. I know. Even if it's, I, 10, it's 10 for 90, whatever, that's still 20. Like, this guy's banking 20 points every single week. And you know what? Uh, on the other side, too, we talked about Corey Clement, uh, another guy that if is out, you know, can certainly give you all-purpose yards, give you some receptions. He's going to carry the ball probably 15 times in that offense, especially in that first game back for Wentz. That could be the perfect storm for Clement, too, if Ajayi is completely out of that game because they're probably going to lean on the running game a little bit more than even usual in Wentz's return. Uh, you know, we talked about Geo. I don't want to talk about him anymore. Let's talk about Kenyon Drake, who's got a matchup against Oakland, who is the lowest rated rushing defense so far. 
I don't feel like enough people are discussing this. What are your thoughts on Drake this uh, week? He, I, I'm not a huge Drake fan, but I rode him last year at the end of the year when he, so was, yeah, he, was, <laughs> he was the only one there. So it didn't matter. Um, Gore's banged up. It looks like Drake is going to be in line for a big workload this week. And he's cheap and he's underowned, and no one's talking about him. And he'll be a guy that he's, I could plug in my flex or RB2. And I'm going to be building lineups around Kenyon Drake this week. Yeah, uh, I've been doing the same thing. And that's before we even got here today to do the show uh, because I'm just looking at it. And and Drake's one of these guys, too, that doesn't have to touch the ball 20 times because he does that of explosiveness that he can really break one off there. Uh, we talked about fading Ezekiel Elliott, obviously Cook with the injury and DJ with the bad quarterback situation as well. Uh, we're going to hit a break. When we come back. We're going to talk about the wide receivers, the tight ends, the D's, and put a button on this one. You're listening to the pre-snap with Joe and Rath. We'll be right back right after this. The pre-snap podcast is sponsored by LineStar. Dominate DFS with the world's only patented lineup optimizer. Visit LineStarApp.com now and start your free trial. All right, everybody. Welcome back. It's time to, uh, to plow through here. And go through, and let's start at wide receiver with the man of a million targets. And we'll talk about Michael Thomas here, who, I mean, look, it's it's been a great scenario for him. And the question, I guess, to you is, even though it's on the road, it's in the dome, it's against an offense here with Atlanta that can be lackluster at times, but is there enough all here where it lines up where, let's say on FanDuel, that $9,000 pricing, that you still feel very confident that it's premium return, premium investment? Here's the thing. No Antonio Brown in the slate. Right. Okay. Uh, DeAndre not as reliable because of Houston's offensive line problems. Uh, Julio doesn't get in the end zone. Uh, no, you know, but I'll tell you what, Calvin Ridley starting to intrigue me this week. Uh, just on the flip side of that narrative, but go ahead. Yeah. I, so if I'm going to pay up and again, I'm not looking here to, to I, I really don't think it benefits to talk about the high price players because that's fine. You can go get that anywhere else. But when we do talk about a high price guy, we want to make sure that we have a narrative. The narrative on Thomas is this. Uh, there's no wide receiver two at this point. Cameron Merritt has been hurt. If he plays this week, it might be minimal. Uh, I don't consider Tenkin's not a target hog. Uh, they don't go to the tight end as much. There's no Mark Ingram, so they're limiting they're limiting Camara's overall workload. Breeze and Tom Breeze is just going to continually throw the ball to Michael Thomas. It's not going to stop. There's no reason for it to stop, and there's no one there that's going to stop it. So until Mark Ingram comes back, why continue to ride Michael Thomas until they price him at ten thousand dollars? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I'm with you. you. You just laid it out there, too. And, and the way, you know, when it's got that one thing, you know, back in the day, the Breeze narrative was always the same thing, which is he's going to find the open man. But right now, Michael Thomas, and there's nobody over there that scares me in Atlanta that's going to be able to cover him either for my money. Like, I just, I don't, I think Thomas is, Thomas is putting himself into the, he told everybody last year, I'm going to be the best receiver in the league. And he's starting to look like it right now. Uh, John Brown, we mentioned also, uh, another guy here, you're still high on John Brown, obviously. Uh, give everybody the reason why uh, he's a good target this week. Sub 5K on DraftKings, um, you know, cheap on FanDuel as well. Um, you know, we don't really talk about prices all that much. It's more relative to where they fit in the in the tier. 
But look, John Brown is an affordable wide receiver. That is the red zone target for Joe Flacco. Uh, the Broncos, you typically would never want to go against the Broncos at the wide receiver position, but they've actually allowed four wide receivers to hit over three and a half times value so far this year. Tlaib's not there anymore. It's not as much of a shutdown secondary as it's been in the past. And the Broncos now go on the road and they haven't exactly looked great the first two games. And the Ravens are coming off kind of a spanking on that Thursday night game where the, the, the Bengals had gone up on them pretty heavily. Look, the Ravens are dealing with issues too. Uh, Jimmy Smith is on suspension. CJ mostly may not. The Ravens defense is still good. But uh, I don't foresee this situation where Denver walks in and puts up less than 10 points. I think this is a game where uh, the Ravens are certainly in play to put up 24 to 28 points. And I can see four touchdowns and I can certainly see Brown getting at least one. All right. Lockett's another guy that we talked about the consistency. I want to talk about Aguilar because you mentioned him and I'm going to bring up a point and I want to hear your counterpoint. I like Ertz. I, I totally am with you on that one. Aguilar scares me a little bit. Not, not in any way, shape, or form because of the Colts defense. I'm never scared of the Colts defense necessarily, but my question to you is, can he handle the role of being the go-to guy? You know, with, when he doesn't have anybody else like Alshon Jeffrey on the field, is this a role that portends to him actually being good enough to pull it off? Well, he's done it. Has he's he? Without, without anybody else there? I'm saying because he's like the lone wolf there. You know, he was good last year, but Alshon Jeffrey was around last year. Right. I hear what you're saying. What I'm saying yeah, is, yeah, I'm saying is when you take yeah, all, when you, yeah, when you double team Nelson Aguilar. The top, yeah. The, look, the, here's the thing. There's nobody else on that team. It's right. It's, but nobody else on that team with Michael Thomas and nobody else on that team with Nelson Aguilar is two different subjects. I you think, with, I mean? yeah, I, I think that they're a heavy favorite at home against a very bad defense. I think, look, I'm not looking at him as a ceiling play. But I see what you get. I feel like he's looking for target volume. He's a safe floor play in PPR. All right. We're fading Odell Beckham and Keenan Allen this week. Uh, Real quick, give me why on each. Uh, Odell Beckham, because of all the problems that we saw on Monday night, it has nothing to do with Beckham as as a player and as a talent. But the Giants offensive line and the poor quarterback play, uh, I, I, I just, you know, is there an opportunity for Beckham to put up 120 yards and two touchdowns? I just don't see it right now. And I think that that matchup is, uh, a very bad spot for the giants this week. Yeah, um, I agree. Going on the road against the Texans defense, uh, that didn't really show up last week. I think that, uh, Houston gets right this week and Keenan Allen against that Rams defense with Mike Williams emerging. I'm not looking at having any piece of Keenan Allen this week. All right. Over in the tight ends here, Zach Ertz, we talked about liking him for obvious reasons. That makes a lot of sense. Explain to me the Hooper one, because that's one that is that just a matter of price or is that a matter of game theory here? No, it's price. He's, he's cheap. And look, when you start swimming in the cheap tight end pool, it's, it's rough because oftentimes you don't hit, but the narrative with Hooper is that he's got three red zone targets. He's got a, he had a touchdown last week. Ryan was going to him in that game. Uh, they're at home. They're favored. It's a high projected total. And if I'm going to drop down and almost say, quote unquote, punt the position, at least I want a guy that I know is going to be able to give me a touchdown. And if this is a game where I feel that Atlanta's going to score at least four touchdowns, then I would think that Hooper would get at least one. 
All right. Fair enough there. All right. Uh, continuing on there. Uh, let's talk about the defenses here. We talked about Minnesota for the obvious reasons. Uh, Houston could be that sneaky one too. We talked about the offensive line issues for the giants. That certainly makes uh, for a good day. Also Clowney looks like he's going to play in this one. So you've got another pass rusher, you know, JJ Watt hasn't had a sack in, Oh, I don't know forever. I mean, I'm trying to remember the last time JJ Watt had a sack and you have to go back like years now. And it's just, uh, it's kind of, kind of sad when you think about it and sit there. Uh, is there any other defense for you that pops? I mean, the Chicago one to me is one that does, but I guess my question to you is that is, see, I look at that as another one where I expect a, a total that's low. I expect certainly some sacks there. Mac has played out of his mind there. I expect Rosen to actually be the quarterback in the second half or third quarter of this game. Do you but think do you think they do that though? With, I do. I think especially after after last night after Baker Mayfield and seeing it, and now he's the lone guy. And it's ironic because in many circles of scouts, they would say Rosen was the most pro ready to step in there and be good. And now he's the fourth guy who's still on the bench. Now everybody else is playing. So I think it's starting to hold their feet to the fire as an organization a little bit. I think it's going to take an injury. I don't think that they're going to put Rosen. <laughs> All right, well, let's put it this way. Well, Can Khalil Mack get on top of him? There That's could be a 50, 50% chance of an injury. So, um, But I don't think they're going to put him out there for performance. I think that that would be a mistake. I think what you want to do with a rookie quarterback is pick your spot when you want to play him. Uh, typically, it's after the bye week, so they get a lot of reps in. Uh, typically, it's at home, and typically, it's against an inferior defense. So, um you know, from that perspective, that would just be my take. Look, on defense, it's Minnesota or bust. Uh, and I told you why. Don't overthink it and don't get cute. Now, if you now, when we talk about tournaments, uh, we're going to go back to that why I want to fade Odell Beckham. And uh, you've got Houston, uh, super cheap, especially on DraftKings. You know, sub 3K is kind of what I look for. I want a team that's home. I want a team that's favored. Typically, by at least you know six or more, if I can get it, I want a mediocre quarterback on the other side, which we have that. I want a team that's got the ability to rush a passer, uh, and Clowney should be back. Uh, I want an implied team total on the other side of 19 or less. We have that. And I want a total on the game that is hopefully 45, 44 or less, and we have that. So when you look at all of those things as far as criteria for why a defense is a solid play, we've got them, and they're projected as fourth highest owned. So right now this week, the Vikings are the top king king dog this week. Then the Bears and the Jags are kind of tier two. Mm-hmm. And then there's a big drop-off, and the Texans are leading that, that third tier. Uh, they should be pretty, you know, under-owned for the, you know, for the most part. And I think you're going to get an edge. And I think a lot of people got burned on them last week. Obviously, I did as well. So a lot of people may not want to go back to them. But um, Well, ironically, the Bears are actually $100 cheaper than the Texans over on the FanDuel side. So that's just something. That's a very good point. And I would, I would grab it. And the Bears it. are also $600 less than the Vikings. So just for perspective yep. on that. Yep. No, it's certainly a way to get on a game mm-hmm. that uh, would have lower ownership and give you an edge. Yeah. And, and you know what, if Arizona does make the change, they're at home against Seattle and they're on the road against uh, the 49ers the following week before things get tougher against the Vikings on the road. But look, you know, I'm just saying, you know, I, I think it's time. I mean, I say you give them a half and to see what happens. I know what you're saying about an injury, but you know, the future is starting now for the Cleveland Browns, the future starting now for the Buffalo bills, the future starting now for the jets. 
hell, come on, Arizona. I mean, you've got David Johnson. You've got arguably the best player on any of those teams, without a doubt. And he's going to waste, and fantasy owners are just miserable. I can't imagine how miserable I'd be if I was a DJ owner in season long, but uh, I'm not. But my God, the misery level is high, that's for sure. But hopefully, your level will be very, uh, very much higher in terms of your satisfaction this week in football after listening to our program here. If you can't get enough of us or enough of LineStar app, make sure you go over and check out Ryan Humphrey's Week 3 DFS write-up over there as well. He's got great stuff on cash games and GPP picks. So check that out over on the LineStar app and the website. You can also follow him at NitroDFS. You can follow us on Twitter as well, at JoePizzaPia17, at FantasyWrath. For everybody here at LineStar, that'll do it for the pre-snap. Now it's time to set down win. Thanks for listening to the pre-snap podcast with Michael Rathburn and Joe Pizapia on the Line Star Podcast Network. Have a question? Need more advice? Join the conversation at linestarapp.com and we'll see you back here next week. Good luck.